So the first question is to ask yourself, where are you authentically? And then to ask, what do I really need right now? Do I need to de-stress? Do I need to heal? Do I need to take a moment to clean my environment? That's another wellness practice we don't talk about enough. It's our environment. Do I need to clear out old stuff internally and externally? I'll beat my drum for you. I'll sing my song for you. I clap my hands to the beat that transforms into. I'll beat my drum for you. I'll sing my song for you. I clap my hands to the beat that transforms into. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Art and Business of Meditation podcast. I'm your host, Lou Redman. And I don't often say this little spiel on the interview series, but I want to say it here because I was just talking with our guest Lisa before and was explaining why I do this podcast. And it's really to empower meditation teachers, creators, artists, guides who want to make this their life that really want to put their heart into and make a living doing so. And it's been such a journey for me. And I can't wait to hear about um, Lisa's journey here in a bit. So today we have Lisa Culpa. She's a qualified 500 hour yoga teacher with more than a thousand hours of teaching under her belt. She has an amazing YouTube channel where she offers free yoga classes. She's a meditation teacher on Insight Timer, and she explores meditations for healing, transformation and deep relaxation. Lisa, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Lou. Thank you for having me. I'm honored to be here. So I read a bit about your story. You came from a toxic environment. And one day your sister asked if you wanted to go do a yoga class and you were like, what is yoga? And and got to a yoga class and something just spoke to you there. So that's the short end. I'll, I'll just give you space to maybe point us to where you're at in life, what's going on, just to get a sense of of what brought you to this exploration. I love that you said the short end, because to be honest, it's rarely a short ended story. <laughs> like everyone, everyone always wants the short end of the story. It's like, what brought you on this journey? And it's like, well, do you have six hours? Because that's really what we want to share. But no, that's that's pretty much the gist of it. I'm a survivor of, and I like using that word. I've met other survivors who don't like using that word, but I am a survivor or a, a lotus flower of my own environment. What I mean by lotus flower is my environment was, you know, muddy waters. My parents were reliving a lot of their own toxic narratives. Join the club. We have jackets. And I kind of, as a child, was just dragged on into that. And I thought the way to get out of those narratives was to just be successful. So I became this overachieving student. I was head of the art club and head of the theater like club and UN ambassador. And I was doing all of these things or like junior UN ambassador and doing all these things. And I was burnt out and I was like a zombie walking around my house at 16 years old, like a ghost in a shell, crying 3am, couldn't sleep, couldn't eat, didn't know I was going through an eating disorder, didn't know I was going through severe anxiety and insomnia. And though I was seeing um, a therapist at the time, which I was so grateful my mother ingrained in us is to not just think that everything can work out on its own or pull ourselves up by our bootstraps, but also ask for help um, when we feel we need it. So, um, at that point, I was just <laughs> very, very angry and very, very confused at 16. I, I, another thing I think we all can have jackets for. 
And uh, my sister was at her wit's end because she was, she took on a lot of parental energy that she didn't need to. And I still thank her to this day for that. Uh, but she just felt for me and she said, want to come to a yoga class? I think it was last resort for her. And I was like, what's yoga? <laughs> like, what is that? <laughs> Especially for, you know, people of color yoga. I mean, you're lucky if you get a dance class and swimming lessons, <laughs> like, you know, it's just, it's just like, what's yoga. That's really trippy. And I just went to this little spa in Bayshore, New York. And one of the managers, I ran into the other day and it was just so lovely running into him. And pretty much uh, I sat on the yoga mat and I just felt this very odd, now we're getting into woo-woo-ness of it. This spiritual, can't explain it, chills up the spine, brain tingling moment of, oh, I'm home. I'm, this mm. is home. Yeah. And I was hooked from there. And it was my, it was one of my medicines. At the time, I think when I was young, I thought it could be my only medicine. Now I realize there's so many different kinds of medicines you can use for your journey. So that is how I found yoga in essence, the longer version. Yeah. We all have that introduction and often that introduction becomes our tools and our gifts in in so many ways so you say for me it i started meditating first and it was meditation that gave me somewhat similar of the thing that you're talking about and then i found yoga and i was like this is such a great exercise to complement my meditation like this is amazing like i was it was it was so cool to finally find that and go all into that and and i am a yoga teacher too however um I teach less asana. I think I taught one class in the summer for a friend's thing. I teach less asana. And the question you mentioned on your website, you talk about, and I've heard other yoga yogis talk about this, and I've never actually had this experience where people talk about working things out on their mat, like the boundary issues that I've had, I've worked it out on your math or, or um, other things that you work out. And I understand feeling poorly or like going through something, going to yoga. I like hot yoga. I like to sweat and um, just masticate my body, <laughs> going to a hot yoga class and feeling better afterwards. But I've, I've never think I've had an experience where I feel like I'm literally doing the work on the mat. So I'd love to just hear from someone because I know I hear a lot of yogis that have this experience. And so I'm super just curious of, of what that's like. Uh, and if I'm perceiving it in the right way. You are, you're perceiving it in the right way. And I love that you bring that up because I made... I, we were in a discussion during my 200-hour training and I made the assumption that everyone kind of approach their yoga practice the way I did. And that's the mistake we all make as beginner yoga teachers, right? We all think everyone's on the same level. We all think everyone approaches it the same way. So I remember asking my teacher, I was like, oh, what if I do a theme, this theme on, you know, yoga for a really, really when you're having a bad day or for a breakup. And she said to me, you know, not everyone, not all beginner yogis are going to be attracted to that kind of theme at first, like yoga for a breakup. That's like more seasoned yogis. I was like, what? Really? And she's like, yeah, like that's a, that's a deeper level of practice. So for me, I want to get the beginner yogi to that stage 
as as closely to the precipice of their journey as as possible. For me, I usually break it down into a theme that's relatable. So for example, if we just need to de-stress, I may do a theme of what are you holding on to or what do you need to unsubscribe to? And I pose the question and then I weave in physical asana that represents the sense of unsubscribing. Maybe it's more heart openers to kind of release to the, you know, unsubscribe from stress or tension in the chest. Maybe it's something physical. Maybe it's something emotional. Maybe it's something practical. Like I need to clean out my email list. That's what I literally need to unsubscribe. Like this is too much. But that is how we begin to start to do the work on the mat because now we're incorporating meditation and physical asana and life and weaving it into one tapestry. So let's get technical here because I love it. And I think there's going to be some yoga teachers listening to this as well. And I know a lot of yoga teachers and um, even people that are creating meditations, they struggle with, with theming. Like They struggle with what do I actually create for my class? How do I weave this whole tapestry the whole time? So I'd love to hear... I'm able to do this a lot easier in meditation and yoga. It was always just more difficult for me. I'm like less connected bodily to understand things. So always, it always took me like so much longer to figure out yoga sequences. And it was hard for me to weave points of like what you're talking about of like, let's opening the back bend. And when you're, when you're cueing that, are you also like bringing back, like feeling that thing that you want to unsubscribe to now? Like, you know, I can imagine like, seeing it move out of your chest or whatnot like are you bringing that in into the class oh yeah it's it's church lou it's church (laughs) (laughs) you know yeah like especially if you're cueing the back bend what i like to do is i like to get them safe i want to make sure that they're going into the back bend safely then once we're nice and safe in the back bend i offer them modifications if they need to move out and we're there that's when it like you said it's like and whatever you want to unsubscribe to whatever you want to release from your heart or your chest take a moment to really breathe on into that idea and then exhale release it out and it i i I do believe it is it is a cool kind of uh, it does remind me, I said church, but yeah, it's, it's, it's that it's like, I blow that away, you know, like <laughs> for the people down South who've been to very, um, charismatic churches, that's what it's like. It's that it's allowing a little bit more of a spiritual, psychological, therapeutic experience to weave on in to the asana practice. And I so identify with sequencing is so hard. Sequencing is so hard. It's one of, I feel it's one, theming and sequencing is a practice, especially when you're just starting your yoga teacher journey. But I also feel it's part of the juicier aspect of our, of our asana. That's when we could start weaving yoga philosophy and meditation. We could start taking things off the yoga mat for our students. So I think that's why it's a little bit more challenging because it's a little bit more rewarding. So take us, let's go right into it. Take us to your prep. Take us through your practice, your creative routine for creating a yoga class or a, even a YouTube uh, practice because I know they can be a little shorter than a full-on you know, 60 or 75-minute class. Like, How do you take us from as, as minute detail as you want to share? Because I think people like the details of, you know, I make my 
my coffee and I sit and I like, you know, I get channeled all the information or, <laughs> or, or I fumble yes. and I, especially for yoga, I used to, I, I'll be honest, I used to, where I knew I, like, I didn't have the, 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 the umph of like great yoga teachers that I saw and loved is like, I would watch, what was the online platform before COVID that hit, or there was like a, it was a popular online yoga platform before anyone had yoga online that I, I used to subscribe to. And I would watch Dice Ikaida, you know, Dice Ikaida. Glow, yes, Glow. Glo- I think it was Glow, right? It, was, it, it changed to Glow. It used to be like something else. Okay, okay. Someone let us know what that other name was. It changed to Glow, or maybe it was Glow too. Anyway, but Dice Ikaida Klein, I don't know. I would just watch his classes and be like, okay copy i would just copy and paste because they were so like intense and i needed to make mine super intense anyway it's not about me Lisa, <laughs> i'd love to share i'd love to hear your your creative process on themes and, and if you want to go into the it may if it's the same for meditations too like feel free to share that too yeah it's the same well hmm how do i put this now we're gonna now we're gonna get yeah minute details for those of for those who are listening who love plants and i see you have a gorgeous bird of paradise behind you, Lou, which I am obsessed with. But every plant needs a different kind of fertilizer. They're all plants at the end of the day, but every plant needs different watering. A snake plant's going to need different stuff than, I don't know, like a bird of paradise or a philodendron. And that's how it is for yoga versus meditation. For yoga and meditation, I start off with the soil being basic, which is what are the themes that I'm personally exploring authentically in my practice? And that I've chewed through because there are boundaries that a yoga teacher shouldn't cross. If you are still mourning or grieving something, it's best that you really chew through it as much as possible. So the boundary line for your student is a learning perspective and not so much like you're dragging your student into your stuff. So I really like to chew through things before I present it. And once I feel like this is chewed for, like this is chewed through and this is something I really want to present in a classroom setting. Then I think about, well, if I could theme what I went through. So for example, um, this is something I've chewed through. April uh, was eclipse season and eclipse season is all about change and transformation, especially for those who love astrology. And I experienced within the month of April, the birth of my niece and nephew, the death of an uncle, a year mark, a year mark towards my fiance and our wedding. So towards our wedding. So now all these changes and preps are coming up. And there was just a lot of change and transformation. How did I ride the waves of change? What does it mean to ride the waves of change? What is transformation? So I may just give a a regular class like yoga for transformation or yoga for riding the waves of change. But then I, I share poems that I've read, meditation techniques that I've done for that time period. Maybe it's the poses that I love to do, which come on, don't we all love a good pigeon pose for change and transformation and stress? Don't we all just love that? And there are practical ways to use it, which is to just take a breath to honor the change and transformation that's happening in our life. And that happens every day to everyone. We're not alone. 
but also how do we use these these tools as a form of really living in the present moment and living fully? And it will be the same thing with meditation, but the difference with meditation is I may add journaling, a journaling meditation. It may be a manifestation meditation to use transformation as a catalyst for resilience or a catalyst for a new intention, because during change and transformation, we may have aha moments and wake up calls. So it's a different kind of plant. It's a different kind of needs different light, needs a little bit of different watering times, you know? So uh, that's how I, in essence, sit and I do look at the stars and I do look at what's happening in the planets and I do look at what's happening in my life. And I just slowly funnel it down till I can come up with a theme and then a sequence or a technique for the meditation. Are you doing this on a computer, writing it down? How long does it take you typically from start to finish? I and mean, that could vary, I know, but um, yeah, curious. Both. <laughs> I'm uh, both, I write it down. I put in my notepad on my phone. Sometimes I have a, a notebook right here, Lou, of all this stuff that has yet to come out, all this unpublished stuff that I have, I've chewed through that I wrote down and that it's kind of in the bank. And then I put it to computer. Then I help. I, you know, I know people are afraid of AI, but I think AI is, has, a, it's great for streamlining things. And I'm like, hey, I have this idea. This is my idea. This is a sequence I want to go through. Can you like organize this for me? And the AI is like, yes, I can. <laughs> and then it just organizes it into descriptions and really gets into the details that I feel is great, not only for um, you know, career yoga teacher and meditation teachers with SEO and things that they can utilize to attract an audience, but it helps you understand your own work on a clear on paper level. So I normally start off writing it by hand and then I may schedule it in to my actual physical planner. And then I schedule it on into insight timer. It takes, I love that you asked me, how long does this take? In essence, <laughs> in essence, Lou, it feels like it takes a minute, but in reality, I'm going to say it's half an hour per class, just brainstorming and clearing it out and writing down the description. Yeah. Half an hour. It's up there. It's ready to go. Um, and that's not including, that's just brainstorming the ideas. That's not including once you edit the content, you create the content and then you put it out there in the world. It's just getting it very, very clear in front of you. What's the description? What is this about? How am I going to go about it? And some yoga classes and meditations, I'm in it and I completely riff. I completely am like, yep, <laughs> just throw the plans out the window because I just totally got inspired and the original plan goes out and that's okay too. That's amazing. So you can create a yoga sequence in that half hour? Yes and no. I create yoga points and then gotcha. I allow myself. So I know the points will be, how are we going to start the class? What are the, how are we going to begin it? What's the theme? How are we going to talk about it? So we, we have the Dharma talk, you know, it's like that Dharma talk, that five minute Dharma talk. I try to keep it five minutes. <laughs> it doesn't happen all the time. And then I go into the beginning. How am I going to weave the beginning? So Again, if you look at it as uh, weaving a tapestry, I have the points, the color of this tapestry will go here and this will go there and that will go there. And this is how we'll finish it. And this is how we'll start it. 
when I'm actually in the midst of it, I may get inspired and be like, I'm adding blue here and I'm adding orange here, uh, which is totally great. And that's the beauty of being a yoga teacher. You can be so creative. But as long as those points, it takes me half an hour. And as long as I have those points set up for myself, the beginning, the middle and the end, the the plot of it, the theme of it, that takes me a, a good I would say half an hour. In essence, it sometimes feels like a good minute or two minutes, but that's not the reality. And I don't want to, I don't want to make that the reality. These things take such a long time. So yes, the points of it. I love it. I love how you speak about it. Cause that's how I speak about meditation all the time is that this art, like you have different colors, you can paint, you know, you can use different themes. And I think it's important to speak to the part of sharing as Brene Brown would say from the scar, not the wound that like you've let things process a little bit before you're able to show up and, and not be, you know, triggering yourself as you speak it and not creating a safe space for others to explore it in themselves. So the art that you have that I love is what you call practical magic. And I love this phrasing. I think it's paradoxical in some ways because practical means practical. Magic means like it's not even real. So tell us about practical magic. I love that you pointed out the paradoxical, like in essence on paper, it does look paradox. It's like practical magic, you know, like practical is like bills, <laughs> practical is like rent, mortgage. I'm taking my animal to the vet. I'm taking my kid to school. Those are all practical things. We think of magic as something that is unexplainable, something that is out of this realm, something that happens to us or, you know, maybe very gifted individuals have the power to weave it. Practical magic is what we live every single day. I find that moment you connect, uh, my nephew who is three months, my sister is breastfeeding him and she connects with him. And there's this moment of silence and purity and innocence where the whole world goes away. In essence, it is a meditation. It's a form of meditation, but it's also this magic. We can't really explain it, but it's practical. She's feeding her baby. But what is that? What is that? It's magic. There's no, there's nothing, you know, and I don't, I don't mean it. We're in October now <laughs> during this recording, Lou. And I think I'm so ready. I'm so ready. I have my witch's hat and we think Harry Potter and we're like, yes, like, especially on the East coast, you know, Halloween is so huge and the idea of magic, but I think it's okay for us to no longer demonize nor minimize the essence and power behind our human magic. It is practical. It's also magical. And that to me is what practical magic means. When I hear you say that, it's it's keeping ourselves, at least I see it as keeping ourselves open to this mysterious quality, this kind of beauty that's underneath. And there, I think we're all yearning for that. I watched a reel the other day I'm not a Harry Potter buff by any means, but I, I, something happened in England where like all of these Harry Potter fans went to the subway. And I guess they there's this sign for like the Hogsburg, Hogwarts Express that comes in like real time. It's this whole kind of Harry Potter thing. But it's like all of these people took time out of their day. There's thousands of people here took time out of their day to go to this thing that's this make-believe thing to share in this 
this magic, right? To share in this like real, like it's just like this deep human need for that. That's something like a Harry Potter. So, you know, a lot of stories or myths evokes in us, right? So to, to bring it down, to ask ourselves, how do we bring this into our life is, is so beautiful. And what you help people with, which is, which is really amazing. So if people listening to this, that are, you know, teachers, guides on this path, what might you invite them to start doing in, in realm of practical magic? Or I know you talk a lot about manifestation. Like what would what might help them? What they should they be thinking about? What routines, what intentions, what what would help them in their journey to maybe get where you are at faster? Not that we need to get things faster. Everything's gonna have its own timing, but you know, they might be thinking of, okay. I'm listening to this, you know, what can I start doing right now? The first step is to honor where you're at authentically. You know, we wish, like I wish, we wish that there are going to be days where we're just on a roll every day with our practice. You know, for me, it's a mixture of herbalism and yoga and meditation And there are days where that's not it. My yoga and meditation practice will be, I'm going to have patience while the dentist (laughs) looks into my mouth and takes out some stuff that I don't need anymore because this is the time slot. The time slots, I don't know, maybe like 7 a.m. because it's an emergency thing and I don't have time to just do a yoga uh, practice. Maybe some of us do have that energy. Like I'm going to get my yoga practice in at 4 a.m. then. And that's beautiful. But I think if we're kidding ourselves and lying to ourselves, there's no way we're going to be able to approach the practice and manifest from that place authentically. We're just going to be, you know, trying to get another marble in our jar in a sense, like the little kids, wherever you did something good, you got another marble in the jar, another marble in the jar. And whoever had the most marbles at the end of the week, like got student of the week. And I think... It's a tool. It was a tool, especially for us 90s kids. It was a total tool, but it, it doesn't work for us um, adult kids anymore. And we need to, you know, the marble in the jar is to just honor where we're at authentically. So the first question is to ask yourself, where are you authentically? And then to ask, what do I really need right now? Do I need to de-stress? Do I need to heal? Do I need to take a moment to clean my environment. That's another wellness practice we don't talk about enough. It's our environment. Do I need to clear out old stuff internally and externally? Do I need to actually get on my grind and start structuring those 4 a.m. meditations and start structuring those, you know, afternoon yoga classes? Do I need accountability partners? What is it that I truly need? So once we get from authenticity And then what we need, we can then move into then what practice is calling to us. And there's so many to choose from. That's the overwhelming part, right? Because you have yoga screaming at one side and meditation screaming at the other and Reiki and sound bath and all of that. So I am a little bit of a a wild one, Lou. I'm like, try whichever one interests you the most and go from there, you know, and and really have fun. I... I don't understand um, how we've gotten into this almost dogmatic energy of yoga where everyone's so serious and everyone's frowning. And it's like, come on, we just survived a whole pandemic. (laughs) You know, we need to laugh. We need to enjoy ourselves. We need to take a moment to breathe. 
one week or one day, it may be sound bath. The next week, it could be going to your favorite Reiki teacher. Um, it could be a, a month of yoga or yoga challenge or yoga and meditation challenge. It could be taking a time to just journal or work on your plants or clean your environment. Um, I believe it's Saucha is one of the yoga yama niyamas, which talks about cleansing or clearing or aparegraha, which is about giving away things and non-attachment. You can spend a whole week cleaning out your garage while meditating on aparegraha and just releasing that and letting that go. But I, I want us to start realizing we can live our practice. We can live this practical magic. And then from there, we manifest. We manifest something that feels a little bit more of, of, I guess, what a yoga teacher would do or, or that essence. But to be honest, I'm, I'm with the rest of you guys. I, I think I spent like after the um, eclipse season, the change, I just spent time cleaning my kitchen and my kitchen looks gorgeous right now. And I just meditate in my kitchen now and create that space. And that's what I truly, truly needed. It wasn't anything deep, like fasting or a shaman, a shaman, you know, retreat or something before my engagement, I did a Tezmascal ceremony, um, which was way a, a different kind of ritualistic practice. It was a little bit more intense where you go into this cave, this dome, it's meant to represent the womb of the, of the earth and death and rebirth. And they cover it up and it's hot as balls. I don't know if I can say balls on here, Lou, but I'm going to go ahead. You can <laughs> but say hot. balls. You can say anything you want awesome, here. This, awesome. is, <laughs> this is the explicit meditation teacher part. We're explicit. <laughs> Yes, I love it. But it was hot as balls in August. It was super, it was super intense. And we were chanting and we were singing in Spanish and English and we're just one with the earth and one with what we are going through in that moment. I needed that. I needed to clear out some old stuff to have a clean slate for, for my partner and I and to, and to be the best version of myself for my partner while we take um, our next steps towards a new chapter together. Uh, but this time with the birth of my, of my niece and nephew and, and the death of an uncle and the passing, I just needed my own space to be grounded. I just needed that for myself. That was my practice. And that's how it looks like. And maybe some people may say, no, you need more Zen and discipline, you know, um, pranayama in the mornings at this time. And at lunch, we have yoga. And then at nighttime, we meditate. And that's the perfect path towards balance and enlightenment. I would push back and say, nah, <laughs> it's going to change. It's going to change. It's going to evolve. And that's okay. As long as we're always... I wouldn't say getting on the horse, but in the horse ranch, feeding the horses, getting to know the horses and being like, I think I'm going to ride you tomorrow. <laughs> did my part, did you talk to my partner before this? Did she tell you like, Hey, tell Lou about stuff about cleaning the environment. He needs to know this stuff. He needs to, to <laughs> it's like, Oh man, I need to get, I need to get this right. If you're only seeing a very small thing, if you're watching this on a, a YouTube video. So I know a lot of yoga teachers who are comfortable and confident teaching an asana sequence. But if you ask them to lead a 30-minute meditation, they absolutely freak out. So how did meditation, specifically leading meditation, does, was that hard for you to shift into? Or was that always a part of what you were doing in, in yoga? Yeah, like what was that? Where did that enter the picture? Yeah. Yeah, 
I'm so happy. Sorry. I went deep in thought because I get this question and I'm going to be honest with you, Lou, when you are in a World War Z kind of childhood environment, you kind of just go into meditation. You drown out the noise really well. You learn really, really good how to how to dissipate the mind and release and let go. So in a sense, the poison's the remedy, right? In a sense, it was a, a gift, uh, a gift, a painful gift, but a gift in a sense. So, and then on top of that, my family, I'm, I'm Afro-Latina and we're very spiritual naturally. We're very superstitious. We're very Catholic religious and prayer for those who may have been raised in a similar background. Prayer is a form of meditation and, you know, coming into your own space and having that conversation with yourself or something that's more, the more, whatever that is, whatever that is for the practitioner. So when I found yoga and then it was the incorporation it was something that really just clicked but in terms of teaching I came from a discipline of and now we're going to get really like grossly <laughs> grossly yogi I came from a lineage of like Swami Satchidananda you know <laughs> but it's the truth that different yoga teachers and gurus that came around the 1960s and 70s they had their own idea of how to dive into a really great yoga practice and it always usually began or ended with some form of meditation or breath work which is a form of meditation so it just <laughs> it just made it more concrete. And then becoming a, a full meditation teacher was through one of my yoga classes. One of my students was like, oh, you should get on Insight Timer. And I was like, what's in, again, what's Insight Timer? <laughs> and I, right, what's that? What's that? And um, I started getting on and just kind of doing what I did at the beginning or end of class, mostly at the end of class, because that's when we can work through all the demons and everyone's exhausted. And my students are like, please let me, please let me rest, please. They just want to move in the beginning. I'm here to get my exercise on, but then I can like, okay, all right, then we got it. Exactly. Exactly. That's so, that's exactly it. That's exactly it. Especially for us East Coasters, New York, New Jersey, we are so go, go, go. It's like, I want to move. I want to, I want to feel, I want to sweat. I want to sweat. <laughs> Let me sweat. So at the end, when you're officially honest with yourself about how exhausting that is to always just move, that's when you can find a place of meditation. That's when you can focus on the breath and what is the breath? What is nothingness what is that space between inhale and exhale and then you kind of just it's easier to kind of dive on in so that's how I I incorporated meditation I would say for a teacher that's terrified of meditation which was your original question Lou teaching it at least teaching it yes try start with yoga nidra start doing it yourself yoga nidra yoga nidra is one of those meditations that I feel it's like beginner yoga teacher teaching meditation after yoga class 101 because it starts with the feet and it has a specific almost sing song to it lyrics to it you know and it has a beginning middle and end and that's meditation yoga nidra's meditation and then you can shorten it and you can sometimes in a shorter class I'll be like okay from hips to feet like tense up your legs and then release and then you know the chest and then the head and then that's beginning middle and end and then you focus on breath and and what does it mean to clear the mind or just surf on a wave of thought that um, is something that may be calling to you because I think again in meditation we're so busy with clear the mind clear the mind clear the mind 
And it's like, why don't we just, if there's something that's coming up, why don't we surf that, that wave and see if there's any nourishment or wisdom that that thought may have for us today? If anyone's looking for a good yoga nidra resource, uh, Hillary Jackendoff, who's been on the podcast, she's amazing. You could find her previous episode or check her out. Uh, she's also on Insight Timer. And so Lisa, I taught yoga for a couple of years, never a super full schedule. And then I was also teaching at a meditation studio. And if I know yoga teachers that are making their living teaching straight, pure, in-person yoga, and it's probably the most exhausting thing that you could do teaching, you know, four or five classes a day, driving from studio to studio, getting paid pennies to try and make it together. So people on here want to do this for a living and, you know, to do just those kind of classes, it's hard. Like that's in some ways, that's a hard path. I'll just, I'll say it at that. So what do you tell people who come to you and say, you made yoga your career? Like, I want to make yoga my career. Like, what What do you say to those people? First of all, I would say, oh my God, it's my career. <laughs> you know, that moment of realization, of like, oh yes, this is what puts food on the table. And then after I'd have that moment of panic, like, all right, this got to work out. <laughs> I would tell them what, if you could see yourself as an 80-year-old person towards the last couple of chapters of your life, what would that career look like? And some teachers may say, oh, it'd be travel. It'd be filled with travel. And I would say, look at retreats and you can live. I uh, One of my friends in the city, she most of her bread and butter was yoga retreats. And she specifically worked out of Costa Rica and Mexico. She worked with tour guides and um, you know, travel agents. And she had a system, a well-oiled machine with her retreats. Another, another path maybe, I just honestly want to work with prenatal yoga or something with prenatal, and then they would become a doula, maybe even a midwife, and you'd have this whole career for content creation. I think that's one of our, that's one of our gifts, Lou, right? We're like the Aquarians of this new age. This is, this is the wild, wild west still. And it's incredible because I feel like it's been a career for over 10 years now, and we're still discovering so much more. And I think that could go in so many different ways. You can do a retreat kind of aspect to it. You can write books. You can, that's another whole thing. You can teach, you can teach teachers and that's a whole other aspect to your career. You could do all of the above. So my first advice would, would be, or say at 80 years old, where do you want to really be? And then start from there because eventually you'll realize very quickly when I was teaching five classes a day at studios, running from subway to subway, I knew that that was just a means to an end. That was not going to be forever. I was slowly building my insight timer. I was slowly working on my YouTube channel. I was slowly putting the pieces together in the background. So I knew for me, it was an end game. For some teachers, they were like, oh no, I'm totally going to open a studio. I'm going to be a manager to the studio and a manager to that studio. And I'm slowly going to cultivate the knowledge until I get my 
my own. So I honestly feel it really depends on the teacher. It depends on the the wellness leader because we all are. I'm I'm kind of again, and I'm going to push back against people who are like, oh, you have this much following, so you're a wellness leader. Like, no, we're all wellness leaders. If you're a teacher, you're a wellness leader. That's it. And um, your path is going to be different than many. So it's really an internal journey and internal practice, but you definitely can make a career out of it. You definitely can. It's not a pipe dream. And I told my parents that I was moving. I was a full-time actor and I was finally like getting gigs, acting. And my parents were like, oh, okay, like she can actually like make a living off this, like paying a couple of my student loans with acting money. They were like, wow, all right, this is possible. And then I was like, yeah, mom, dad, I'm going to be a yoga teacher full-time. And they were like, <laughs> You just, we just got, we just got so used to one, one idea. And now what are you going to do? How are you going to live? Are you going to live in a commune? Is this going to be like a David Courage situation? Like, are you going to live in a yurt? Are you going to like join, join a cult? Like what's happening here? And I was like, no, this is the future. I can, there, you know, yoga with Adrian, fight master yoga, God rest her soul. All these people who were pioneers and they didn't even realize it. And I think that's important is to be the pioneer, even when you don't realize it, go for it, do it anyway. A career will manifest from the passion, especially if you have the strategy or know that eventually at the end of the day, there's going to be strategy. And when something's not working, just re-strategize. So yes. So I've spoken to a few different people who Insight Timer has been the boat that's kind of carried forward many things. And so when was the moment for you, where you realized that there was something here? Like, was it right off the bat? Um, when were you like, wow, like this is something to put more attention towards? And I've asked this question to another teacher before too, like, what would you suggest someone starting out on Insight Timer now, right? The best time to plant a tree was five years ago on the app, but the, but the second best time might be now. So yeah, I'll let you take that away. I also, and I love that you said that, Lou, because I think there are wellness teachers that are coming on the app and they're saying, oh, you came, my cousin, my cousin said that you came in at the best time. It was the best time. You didn't even realize it. And I was like, now is the best time. I I just started really curating my YouTube channel post pandemic. One could argue it was back during 2009. I was not a yoga teacher during 2009. I was 18 graduating college and I was looking at the shoes video over and over. That's where I was in 2009. So there was no way I was going to be able to do what I'm doing now on YouTube, hence timing. And I think that's important content creation, what content you're putting out there matters more than the timing or how many followers you have or you're going to get. So always stay true to your content, especially if you enjoy content. The other the other great, beautiful thing is there are certain algorithms that are very, very rewarding and there are certain algorithms that are very, very harsh. I would say social media, especially Instagram, can sometimes feel a bit more draining because I sometimes feel I may put out more and get less of uh, you know, a communal reward, at least people being like, Hey, I love that. So what I do now is if I can get one comment or one person to be like, I really needed to hear that today. That's a win. That's a win. That's a total win. And that's what, 
that's how I went on my insight timer journey. Cause that's how, where I was at my teaching journey. It's so disheartening when you're just a beginner teacher and no one really knows you and you're on the schedule and you have this great time slot and you're like, I'm so ready. And there's one person in the room and you're like, oh, what? I'm the worst teacher ever. Exactly. Exactly. And then God forbid that person doesn't come back for like two weeks and you're like, I'm the worst shame, teacher ever. Shame. Shame. <laughs> exactly. But no one talks about building a following. That one person doesn't come back for two weeks. And then all of a sudden that person comes back two weeks later and they bring a friend. Then the friend doesn't come back. They don't show up for a while. And then all of a sudden three people come with the same person. And then it starts slowly, slowly building. Usually for me, I notice it takes six months to get into the role of it. It takes six months to really feel like you're in your element as a teacher. That's what's most important is not the amount of students coming in, but then when the students come in, you're so almost in this well-oiled machine and in the groove that they can just come with you for the ride. And it's the same thing with content creation. As you post things, as you schedule things, as you come up with themes and ideas, you get into the role of it that eventually new listeners and old listeners will just willingly come along for the ride. And I think that's the essence and key to building a following. When I joined it, I knew something was special because to be honest, all right, you're going to love this, Lou. My main focus was YouTube before Insight Timer. I was not looking at Insight Timer. I got a birdie from one of my students pretty much being like, yeah, go on Insight Timer. I had no idea what it was going to be for me, how it was going to transform my life. I went on it because I was trying content creation in general and I saw it was meditation only. And I was like, well, that's interesting. And I posted my first meditation, which is still up there. And it's a hot mess. <laughs> it's such a hot mess. I talk a lot. It's It was more of a podcast than a meditation. <laughs> and um, now I look back and I was like, I love that. I love that because I had no idea what I was hopping into. I, I had no idea what it was. And then I got comments and it wasn't a lot in the beginning. I think I had like 500 followers and everyone was like, I love this. This is great. And I was like, you know what? This is a safe space. This is groovy. I like this. There's no negative comments. It doesn't take much. It's like, all right, maybe half an hour to an hour of editing plus recording 10 minute meditations. And then from there, it, I think the platform became something and I was along for the ride. So that was, you're right. That was in a sense lucky, but that's just the beginning because we saw that with YouTube. We are seeing that with Facebook. We're, we've, we've seen that with so many pioneers in tech. So I think there, the time, the best time is now. Just do it. Just do it. And um, I think, again, I, I have a feeling Insight Timer is on the YouTube path where it's just going to be wellness like YouTube. And it's just going to be that space. And I'm really, really excited to see where it goes in 10 or 15 years because um, I don't know. I just love tech. It's in my star chart, Lou. <laughs> I have this query. It's in there. It's in there somewhere. I just love this innovation. It does not it does not scare me. What scares me is what human beings think they can do with it. That's what scares me. But the tech itself is is revolutionary. Let's talk about YouTube because I'm more interested in that for trying to build out outside of Insight Timer. Insight Timer has been a blessing. And there's also the, the, the plug and pull of like continuing to build other channels. And personally, I just like 
I have a paid YouTube account. I like to watch videos on different things. Like I like using the platform. Same way I'm bullish about emails and newsletters. I like reading newsletters. Instagram, I don't like being on the platform. And so it's harder for me to like posting on the platform. But YouTube has a better function of longevity. Like I'll watch a YouTube video four years ago that was made four years ago. I, I, I don't watch an Instagram post that was four days ago, right? So there's, I think, such a more long form content. There's, that's, there's a, I think YouTube is um, such a huge opportunity because it's also a search engine. So for my own personal benefit, because I'm starting to somewhat create more content on YouTube, um, I have a very small following on YouTube, like a little over five, 580 followers or whatnot, subscribers. And I'd love to build that. So for me and for anyone else starting out on YouTube, I, you, I've seen kind of your older videos and where how you've grown. So it's always cool to go back. I would recommend anyone who's going to YouTube, go go to anyone's oldest videos and see like where they started. Just so you can be like, oh, okay, I don't have to you know be where they're at right now. So um, you've been consistent on YouTube. What's that like for you? Is it a big structure, schedule, strategy that you're thinking of? Are you just taking pieces from um, your classes and making them, you know, videos? Are you just, I don't even know if you're teaching in person anymore. Are you just doing online and really building that out? Maybe working one-on-one -on -one with people. I'm asking a few different questions, but more specifically, what's your <laughs> recommendation to someone who wants to grow a YouTube channel? I'll leave it at that. Perfect. Because I, I was about to go on a whole monologue. <laughs> I was like, well, Lou, do you, do you have six years? Um, the best, and I love that you use the word consistent. I used to hiss at that word because I knew that that's how you really build a YouTube channel. I knew that's the only thing you need is consistency. You don't even need a great camera. My father worked in television and I was showing him YouTube videos back when I was in college. And he's like, how are so many people tuning into this? The person is overexposed. The sound is awful. Like what is going on? And I'm like, it's hilarious. They deserve all the love. They're geniuses. And that's really it. That's, that's at least for us, that's really it. We don't need a, a beautiful set. We just need it to be clean. We just need a picture. We just need a frame. I think the quality standards have definitely changed though, but I love that um, TikTok kind of smashed through that very quickly because then TikTokers started being like, all right, I'm just going to shoot with my phone. It may even be a flip phone and I don't even care. Like this is my content. So consistency, being consistent. And the best way to be consistent is to do the things you really enjoy plus discipline. And I say plus discipline because some people say, oh, I just love what I do. So it just comes to me easily. It doesn't come to me as easily when, again, I'm going through stuff in my real life. And it's so, for example, again, the week of my nephew's birth, I was like, yeah, no, no YouTube, no YouTube this week. <laughs> no, no, I'm going to focus on my nephew. And um, it, that happens when you're sick, uh, when you're out of it, when when you're feeling off, when there's a death in the family, um, when you're moving. Planning and consistency therefore takes more strategy and discipline. So yes, get your calendar and be like, this is when I'm filming. Also be realistic with how long it takes to film and to edit. Editing is the hardest part. And I love how, again, for content creators who are just starting out, for YouTubers who are just starting out, Premiere Pro has an AI 
editing system where it will edit your videos for you. And it's a certain amount a month. Editors for me at the beginning costed $25 to $50 per video that's without re-edits. Like if they, you know, caught, didn't catch something or they didn't understand something, I may say, oh, can you re-edit that? That's another 25 to 50. So let's say you're doing four videos a month. That's over maybe two to $300. And when you're just starting out on YouTube and you're a barista or you're a yoga teacher, or you're just trying to make things work, you're having that flexible job that the freedom and the payment is, is time, not money that becomes costly. So using tools, using video, I think it's called video AI, using Premiere Pro. I know I'm, I'm really getting on the AI train, but it's a, a great subscription fee for just streamlining things. I like to write stuff down in the calendar. My fiance, again, I had no idea that we were going to go down this path 10 years ago, but he is my videographer. And we will argue over how things want, you know, because he's a real production film videographer. So he wants things to look a bit more professional. And I'm like, it's a yoga video. I'm like, everyone's oversaturated. Everyone's, but then there are times where, you know, our creative minds converge and his expertise teaches me things about lighting and story. Storytelling. So always be willing to learn from those who are professional. Always be willing to, like, I love your setup, Lou. It looks gorgeous. And I love your sound right now. And it's like, learn from it. Ask the questions, like, love your setup. Like, and also don't be afraid to email content creators. I love when I hate the whole yo, what Mikey using, you know, that comment of that random, it's like, you know how long it took me to research this microphone and how many videos I went through and how many reviews. And then I bought the microphone, then I tested the microphone, then I created content. It's a lot of time for someone to just be like, yo, what Mikey using for someone who took the time to email me and say, I love your work. I was listening to your videos I was, or, or, or I was watching your videos and listening to your audios. What microphone are you using? I'm a beginning content creator. I'm just getting started. Where do I start? And I'm like, yes, queen, thank you. You took the time because I took the time. We all took the time. So take the time. Don't just be like, yo, what Mikey using? I'm not gatekeeping. It's just, it's, I sometimes feel like, are you just asking, are you just watching my videos to get, get on your stuff? So take the time. And then there are times where I'll put it in, you know, in the description, like these are the tarot cards that I'm using. Cause that's a big question I get a lot. Like what tarot cards are you using? And also be cool with evolving. I'm getting into sound baths on my YouTube channel, tarot card readings on my YouTube channel. I'm learning about astrology and learning about herbalism. I want to add that in there as well. So consistency, but consistency with discipline in any way. And it's always marking it on the calendar. This is the theme for the month, or this is the theme for this class, or this is going to be one of the first videos that represents the DNA of my brand. Even if it's just an intro, like, hi, I'm so-and-so, and this is what I do. That's your first piece of content. Like, congratulations, put it out there. So, and no piece of content is too ridiculous. I've seen too many TikToks and too many reels where, I just think to myself, like, okay, now, now we're, now we're going down the rabbit hole of nonsense and yet it's out there and they have followers and people love it. There are people who go on TikTok lives that I watch all the time who dress in drag and they just like have battles with other people and they get donations and they live. Do whatever makes you genuinely happy and then strategize from there. So many ways to make it work. And I'm always inspired by 
what people have been able to do. I I, I was in a, a group with this guy who then I became Facebook friends with him and he was an opera singer and pandemic hit. And then he started doing these funny, he's Italian. So he started doing these funny Italian videos of like grandma cooking. And it started getting a lot of hits when he was in the pandemic. And then I found out a little bit later that he, because he's an opera singer, he knows music really well. And he loves video games. And then what he started doing is started commenting on video game choruses and music and like these really journey type of epic music and his youtube is blown up like it's such a niche thing where he comments on video game music and he's made it this whole incredible business i actually might reach out to him and have him on even though he's not in this sphere just because it's so beautiful to find like that there's so many ways to do it and yes you might not start you know he didn't start there but if you keep consistent like you know you'll find those little breadcrumbs and start to shift here and there where you maybe can have that you know breakout sort of thing not that you need the breakout but it's just i love examples like that it's so inspiring to see um i love it lisa do you have a couple extra minutes can you stay a little longer yes Please. Right. Today was my slow day. So I was like, oh, we could we could just talk all we want. We talk. I always I'm like, I plan for an hour, but I just have so much fun talking and I don't get through my questions. And so, yes, let's just let's just roll until it naturally wants to flow. So you talk about learning business through trial and error and was wondering if you can tell us a story of an error that you learned from. Let's talk about it taxes come on we all want to talk about it we all let's don't talk want to... about taxes let's yes. talk about taxes everyone listening says pause and checks out the next <laughs> podcast <laughs> you just know, kidding no i need to hear we need to hear this we need to talk about we, this we need to hear it and i get it it's the most mundane like yeah yeah like but i'm gonna be honest with you the paperwork is what makes your business sustainable. If you, and now we can get Yogi so we can get the listeners back in case they want to check out. Vishnu is the Hindu God of just business and structure. He's the protector. And if you think about, you know, Vishnu personality type, they're someone who has their checks and balances and does their taxes and knows what, you know, they're going to get back in their taxes because of what they put in on their business. Lakshmi is the goddess of abundance. That's Vishnu's consort. That's his wife. So, Abundance goes with strategy and it's frustrating. And again, I hiss, I hiss at consistency and I hiss at taxes. But uh, this past year I had a little oops, had a little oops uh, because I was getting a lot of cash <laughs> and I was not accounting for how much I was putting into my business and how much cash I was going to declare. And I'm just like, oh no. And my accountant was luckily a very amazing um, Latin American man who's like, this is okay. We're all business, you know, we're all immigrants. We're all business owners. We all get cash. Sometimes we come from countries where it's like, what cash? And now we have to declare our cash. He's like, I got you. And the beautiful thing was, he said, here's a folder. I need you to write down, go on Amazon, go on your credit cards and write down everything you put into your business. So I spent like a whole afternoon pulling my hair out, writing down everything. And then he's like, we're not going to, you know, we're going to declare, we're going to declare what we can declare and we're going to take away what we can take away. 
And it's moments like that where it's like, I didn't even see that coming. Signing up for my LLC, copyrights. I have a great lawyer, lawyer, uh, Corey at Conscious Counsel, another person who's fantastic and is now diving on into content creation. He He's followed me throughout my journey with content creation and he just helped me copyright three audios or four audios of mine. And that money that I put into it also is money that at the end of the year, my accountant's going to be like, okay, what did you earn? And what did you put in? And I'm like, I copyrighted things. And he's going to be like, great, where's the paperwork? You know, I just need it all. So everything's organized. It, I don't like it. I hiss, I gag, Lou. I just, I, I trust me, I am the most creative person. But that was a learning curve for me. What happens when you take pure creativity, creativity starts to make income, creativity starts to make a career. And all of a sudden that creativity is threatened because you aren't using any sort of strategy or the foundation. It's kind of like a gorgeous tree with roots and it's hanging. And it's like, what a beautiful air plant. And it's like, eventually the air plant's not going to survive if it doesn't attach to something sustainable. So eventually, um, and I use that for those who know air plants, they can literally just grow in air, but it's it's harder to sustain them unless they're attached to a tree. It's easier when they're um, on soil, on solid ground. So we have to get our inner Vishnu going. We got to get our inner Vishnu just to come up for us and say, we need to protect this gift of abundance that we have. I think I laugh at first, but this is important. And I do a week, a weekly, not weekly, a monthly practice of revenue and expenses. It's pretty much the basic thing you should do as a business owner is to like see what you have coming in and know, and have a, a note of what you have coming out. And it's the thing I always push out to do. I actually have it on my to-do list. I might do it after this conversation now that <laughs> talking about it here. But I had a little miss up too last year. I uh, or two years ago, I like went from and I, I like I like saying numbers on here because I think it's 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 yes. helpful for people to understand. And went from 50 to 100 K in like <gasps> one year. And Congratulations. It was, it was amazing. Thank you. Yeah, it was unbelievable. And so I made a lot more money and I didn't quite account for the estimated taxes on that. And so I, I, I owed a lot more money. And so nothing to be a, ashamed of, right? We, we want to owe more money to the government. And then this is the energy. And I'm going to, this is going to lead into the next question. Like we all should be paying taxes with extreme gratitude. You know, when we're driving down the street and like, oh, this road is paved, you know, this, you know, my your kids are going to schools. Oh, like this is a nice, this is I'm living here. Like we should be paying taxes with insane gratitude. So if I never understand people where, you know, to goff at taxes is really to goff at your own income and your own, you know, energy of money. And so that's going to be where I'm leading this question, right? Because I, you know, I pay taxes when I pay my estimated taxes. And I just like send so much love into this, like, thank you, like giving this out. And, and that's definitely a practice. And so where have you maybe transformed or grown or where do you help people? Where do you see? I know you talk about abundance. Um, you talk about scarcity narratives. And so how, what are some common ways that people are getting in their own way, especially like up and coming, you know, wellness leaders? The next summit of my income, when you start making, and I, I did this in the beginning, I was like, oh, I made this much this month. So next month I want to make this much. And then next month I want to make that much. And then before you know it, you don't make that much. And you're like, what did I do wrong? And now you're like, bad content, bad entrepreneur. You know, you go down that whole rabbit hole all over again. Oh, I, I, and, and that's something and that I'm still trying to make peace with. I think there are psychological 
things that keep us sometimes that we, that keep us from almost going towards our goals, getting in our own way, making it to that next goal of, you know, financial freedom and bliss. But I think it, that, that goes back to what you said, Lou, the gratitude of just being able to do what you're doing, the gratitude of recognizing I'm here and I'm doing what I love and what a gift. Inflation hit me and my partner incredibly hard. On top of that, again, my partner, um, he works for film and television. They happened to go on a little strike this year. You know, just a tiny just little... Just a little tough, yeah, to get yeah. work when no one's yeah. working. Exactly, you know, just a little, just a little bump in the road. And that scared us, you know. We're artists and we live off our artistry. But I had to keep going back to, yes, milk is now worth $7 and I don't know why. Eggs, organic eggs that I love, pasture-raised farm eggs. I'm, you know, I get them from my good friend in Pennsylvania and she's like, oh yeah, my neighbor is just growing these in their backyard. And I'm like, these are worth $20, you know, in New York City, like these are gold, you know? And, And that's exactly it. Like, Money, because of inflation, the money in our account from our craft, we almost feel like it's devalued. We almost feel like, oh, now that summit is further away. Oh, now I'm I'm further away from those financial freedom goals. That scarcity mentality, that scarcity mindset, because we're not focused on the present moment of what we do have, what we can do, what we are doing. My lights are on, there's a roof over my head, and there's more, a beautiful opportunity, like you said, Lou, and an inspiration from your story. There's more to be made. There's more to grow. There's more space out there. And that's what matters. There are dollars out there just waiting for us to, you know, tap into that. There are new revenue paths that are just waiting, but we can't just think about what we don't have in this moment or how our business is getting affected in this moment or all this stuff. We have to think about what what we're doing is a gift. It's a gift and a blessing. And it's a total, if you think about what our ancestors were doing, what my ancestor was doing versus who I'm, where I'm at now, I have nothing really to complain about. I love that you bridge the spiritual and business, just using the example of like Vishnu and Lakshmi. I really love that because I'm all about that bridge. Um, it excites me and fascinates me. And With that, is there any business and or spiritual books? I know this is the kind of question where we freak out and like, there's so many, Uh, how can I (laughs) pick one? But is there any business spiritual books that have helped you on your craft, on stepping into your power in in this work that come to mind? You know, what's so interesting, Lou, I have to be completely transparent. My business books... And my spiritual books, almost, I feel like I use them both in my heart, in the library of my heart, but they're in completely different sections of the library. <laughs> like, like, for example, and this is the title of a book, Unfuck Yourself is one of my favorite uh, books, completely different than I believe it's called 325 Yoga Themes for a Year to Use in a Year, different sections of the library. Gabrielle Bernstein is over here and Lisa Nichols is over there. And, and somewhere in between, we as wellness leaders use both. Um, but I would say, yes, things that help with my practical life as well as books on 
herbalism and, and books on ritual and books on manifestation. But when it comes to, uh, to business books or, or life books or management books, I think for creatives, it's very easy for us to be like, this is my creative path. Way harder for us to be like, make your bed in the morning check, <laughs> you know, make sure everything's on par, check. Books like Unfuck Yourself is one of my favorites because it almost tells us like, you may want to do the YouTube video now, even though there's a pile of laundry in the corner and you're like, oh, I could just record while I do laundry. No, you can't, honey. Priority. Is it the YouTube video or is it the laundry? And then it's like prioritizing was huge in that book as well. So that's another thing. And that has also helped me in my business because I'm like, well, what's a priority right now? Like we said, is it the end of the month expense? Are we going to push that off till February again and then cry or April again and then cry? Or are we going to unfuck ourselves and start doing that piece by piece? Because it, even though it doesn't feel like it's high in the priority list, it, it's it's there. It's it's totally there. Um, it also helps for uh, again, new moms, <laughs> my sister, my cousin, new moms, new parents, new dads. Uh, yeah, it's it, books on on atomic habits and unfuck yourself. Those are books that aren't necessarily business books, but can definitely help in business. Totally talked to my partner before this. You keep bringing up the cleaning, the doing the laundry before I do stuff. Like, I need to get my stuff together. Everybody, Gotta get be, real, Lou. And off this call. I love it. I love doing this podcast. Every time, I no, seriously, though, it gives me like different frames. Every time I get off a call with someone, it gives me an idea that I like implement right away. And so it's really, I love it. It's so fun. You mentioned Premiere for video editing and they have an AI feature. Amazing. Is there any other tech tools that you recommend to someone that you video, use? Video IO uh, video or video AI, I think it's called. It does. It creates YouTube videos or takes your YouTube videos. You just put in your uh, URL code and then it makes them shorts, YouTube shorts for TikTok, for Instagram reels, for YouTube shorts, all, all of that. And I think that's fantastic because we get overwhelmed as content creators. We're like, we could do this. We could do that. We could do that take it back priorities, just put in your URL. Like you already have a piece of content and really what you need is just 12 seconds of that content piece. <laughs> All you need is to put it out there. That's it. So things like a uh, video AI, many chat, uh, which I love for those who want to promote their stuff on Instagram. Many chat has features where you can literally write a trigger word. And it says for this video, comment link. And then Many chat kind of takes over your Instagram and sends the link to anyone who comments the word link to their DM. So they literally get the content directly into their message box, which I find fascinating. Final cut, road microphones. Uh, I'm trying to like think of all of it, Lou, but there's so many tools. Uh, I also want to invest in a Shure SM7B microphone um, and play around with that. So I feel like for content creators, there's always more cameras, more tools to invest in. Um, I feel like you can never have too many microphones. So, <laughs> so even though I'm on my headset right now, I could be using, you know, but I was like, oh, headset today. So good. perfect. So programs like that, equipment, as well as programs. My favorite go-to program is Final Cut. 
and um, Logic Pro for for sound editing. And uh, and those those are all the kind of tools I recommend. Amazing, Lisa. It's been so fun having you on. Uh, what are you creating right now? Where do you want people to check out? Um, where can they learn more about you? Anything you want to share, feel free. Head to my website, www.lisaculpa.com. So easy to remember. It's first David, last David. That's it. And uh, and you could head there and check out any of my services. I do coaching. I do tarot cards. I work with corporations. I work with nonprofits. <laughs> I'll even do like the frequent, if you live in the New York area, I might do a bachelor bachelorette party. I still love those. <laughs> like that's something I will still do. I do not teach in person anymore in studios just because I found that for where I want to go at that, as that eight-year-old woman, um, I think I think there was a time and a place, and and right now I want to take a break from studios and just focus on my own craft with content creation. Um, I'm working currently on my own tarot card decks, which I'm super excited about, and I just published a course on Insight Timer nine days of um, using the chakras to manifest abundant living where we go through our chakras and we really explore where's the scarcity narrative here? What's going on here? It also talks about abundance as a practice, not a destination. You know, that's that's a huge thing. Like we think, ah, oh, and now I'm abundant. <laughs> now, and now I can live freely and right off into the sunset. No, Oprah still works on her abundance practice. <laughs> <laughs> that's great that's the tagline oprah still works on her abundance right that's great she still does she I still does <laughs> so that's Amazing. where they can find me thanks lisa it's been so so fun to connect and uh, to everyone listening i hope you got a lot of value out of it and we'll see you next time i'll beat my drum for you i'll sing my song for you Music you heard is a song called Nova by River Roots. Thank you so much for listening.